0: greetings welcome to episode 56 of inbound agency journey i'm andrew and just i wanted to say thank you so much thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast to soak up this information i hope that the uh, the content that we're going to be rolling out here over the next 45 minutes to an hour is helpful to you as you're trying to grow your inbound agency. And to help move that on, we brought on Remington Beg. Remington is the CEO over at Impulse Creative. They are an awesome inbound agency. And one of the biggest takeaways I had from this conversation was that Ryan said that their clients get a lot of whys from their team, always push back on the client, figure out why they want to do what they say they want to do, because as agencies, it's our job to guide the client forward. So without further ado, folks, here we go.
1: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie. This week, I have the pleasure of bringing on Remington Bag from Impulse Creative. Remington, thanks for joining us today, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. So first of all, I want to say congratulations here on the podcast. At the time that we're recording this, which is in uh, early 2016, you became a papa not too That's long right. ago. So congratulations uh, to you and Rachel on, on the birth of your son great thank you thank you it's a journey for sure <laughs> definitely um man those uh those times well hopefully you'll be blessed he's he will turn into a good sleeper here at some point I know <laughs> yeah i haven't happens. seen that yet yep it feels like those days never come <laughs> i've got a nine month old right now laurel and those days still have not come but <laughs> but we're working on it allegedly everyone keeps telling us it's going to be here so hope, hopefully it's that's true for you guys well, you, you let me know when that happens, so I have my countdown. I will. <laughs> um mean, that's, you know, uh, right away, everybody who has a kid, doesn't have a kid, I, I, it doesn't really matter whether you have kids or don't have kids. Everyone wants to share their opinion about where things are at. And uh, so you hear all these stories about, hey, our, our kid slept through the night at four months, at three months, at six months, and we still haven't hit those days. So I don't know. I think every kid's different. But anyways. Yep. Not here for baby talk. I want to <laughs> dig into your story and the Impulse story and, and share that uh, with the agency community. So could you give us um, kind of your personal story? What, what led to starting Impulse back in, I think, 2007? And then kind of sure. how things have evolved from there.
3: Sure. So, so as you said, um, 2007, my wife and I opened up the agency. At that time, it was called Remington Graphics. Um, we were really just focused on branding and, uh, and web design. You know, and the only recurring revenue we had back then was um, was web hosting, which was more of a pain in the ass than it was there. Yep. Um, Excuse my French. So, um, you know, the focus on that was more of us, you know, hitting the project work as you know, the normal HubSpot uh, agency conundrum and moving over to a more of a scalable model of something that we are interested in. Um, You know, in 2012, we hired our first employee. And that's when we began learning a whole lot of lessons. Um, And now, you know, fast forward to uh, 2016, we've got a team of eight. Um, We're looking to get up up to about 10 employees this year um, and really focus on profitability and and retention of employees. Um, Those are our two big focuses.
2: Um, nice. Yeah. So, so that growth and you guys also you joined forces with HubSpot and became a partner. That was in 2012 as well.
3: Yep, yeah, that was in 2012. We started getting a really good um, base and you know, being able to project revenue much more effectively. and so you know when you have when you bring on a team member, you're bringing on that team member's family and life and everything else. So we wanted to make sure that we could support them without a, without a doubt. Um, so that, that happened shortly after, I want to say only about three or four months later, but it was, um, it was a pretty quick launch.
2: Yeah. So Remington today, if we look at the business today and I don't Mm -hmm. know if you would break it up into these buckets, but, um, uh, from the website, if we look at inbound website design and branding, Mm -hmm. um, kind of what is, what's the focus or what's the, what's the main revenue category for you guys? What does the service breakdown look like?
3: Sure. Right now, um, we are – well, we'll give two, 2015 because um, there's already a lot of changes in 2016 for the good. But 2015 uh, rounded out where we were about uh, – probably about 60% retainer-based um, inbound marketing work, um, about 30% um, website, primarily HubSpot website design and redesigns Yep. on the COS and And then the, the that final ten percent was uh, print and brand um, related work so it's it's hard to segment brand because i I personally feel that branding is a part of everything that we do, right. but but you know that's what they actually came to us to purchase.
2: right yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. It is really that's one of the things that uh, that we've struggled through at Guava Box is figuring out. Like, how do we website design is website design? That's what people come to us for, but what they really need sure. is inbound, and websites just as much a part of inbound as anything else that we do. Like, it's it is hard to break those things up, but that's helpful to get yep. a feel for, um, for kind of how you guys are, are structured right now. And I'm sure. seeing, uh, for anyone listening, that these links will all be in the show notes at doinbound.com slash podcast. But if you go to chooseimpulse.com, You'll see in a footer in the left-hand corner, at least as of the recording. and know this stuff's always changing, but some of the industries listed. Remington, yep. are those some of the main verticals? And what is maybe the primary vertical that you guys are in?
3: So we have um, trends, I'll say, rather than verticals. We're, yep. we're actually looking to focus a little bit more in, in creating um, – having our marketing represent some verticals um, a little bit more this year the and the really the only primary reason is because uh, just trying to diversify our marketing and, and break down those uh, personas personally for us um, but in regards to like where our clients are doing really well it's across the gamut um, the one thing that you know as, as I I wrote in my in my notes was that we we aren't really focusing in an industry but more of a mindset um, we do really well with clients that are um, that are focused on growth like organic growth they're focused on on data-driven growth um, you know and, and that allows for us to really play off a lot of strengths and being able to analyze and, and project um, and that type of thing so so anyone that's interested in growth is is good the it doesn't really matter the business because everything's pretty data-driven and scalable regardless of where you go
2: well you're kind of you're saying i think you're uh, vocalizing something that I've been hearing more and more people realize or move towards, which was, I think, when a lot of these uh, inbound, I mean, being an inbound agency, describing yourself as an inbound agency is a very new, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, very new phenomenon. But then there was this push towards having a vertical niche and industry, whatever you were in. And I think what we're realizing now, what we've really come to realize is, it's way more about the mindset and the culture at the client. Sure. Than the mm-hmm. specific industry. If they want to make it work, you're going to make it work. Versus, you know, I'm in the manufacturing space, so obviously we're good fit to work with. You. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I mean, we've had we've had some really big fails that have been around. Um, you know, clients that look really great on paper, and they they want us to be a vendor. They don't want us to be a partner. Um, and that's ingrained pretty heavily in, in our culture is that we're partnering with everything. We're not, you know, we're not a Hey, do this. We need this email to go out. It's, you know, you get a lot of whys from our, the people on our team. Sometimes that annoys people, and, and that's great um, because if it annoys them in the beginning, we ask why and we want to fully understand, it's usually a good indicator that the client's not going to be a good fit. Right. But but that's where that growth comes in, because every single every single client of ours that's really a success story that we're proud to have has come to us hungry. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, they're still hungry. Um, which is great because we can keep feeding
2: for sure. So let's talk about uh, maybe one specific client. win. can you share, share details about a client who you've had a lot of success with?
3: Sure. So um, the, we've got a contractor who uh, they do impact window and doors. So down in Florida, hurricane windows, um, you know, that type of thing, shutters. um, And they came to us uh, almost three years ago now. And, um, you know, they came for that dreaded web design, right? I just want a web design. I want it to be shinier. Yep. Um, and uh, in conversation, you know, we talk about, oh, we really think you can get some leads from this. We're like, oh, no, no. We just need an online brochure to show our products. Um, and it was great because I talked blogging. and He's like, oh, it's such a waste of my time. And just going on and on. And um, so this, this individual, um, we fast forward uh, 18 months in. He, you know, like he's seeing lead flow month over month increasing by probably 20 to 30 percent. Strictly organic campaign. There was no paid paid ads whatsoever. Um, You know, organic traffic in the very beginning when we started with him, I think was less than 10 percent of the traffic coming to his website. And now is close to 80 percent of the of the traffic and obviously the leads too. And then um, let's see about. Six or eight months ago, we implemented the uh, HubSpot CRM and did a whole sales uh, enablement campaign for him, got a sales staff and everything on it. And uh, what's really great when we talk about data-driven numbers, um, you want to show value all the time, right? And so we we just had our weekly meeting with him, um, or monthly recap meeting rather, and that was a week and a half ago. He's converting over 50% of the leads that come in into customers. Um, because we dialed this in over such a, you know, over this past three years, to a point where there's a 50% chance he's going to have a customer on the phone if he picks up the phone um, with the leads that come through the website, and so that's that's a huge win. It's almost like, you know, we scratch our eyes because we're trying to figure out whether this is real or not. Is this real life? Right. But um, but I think it just is a, you know, it's a testament to inbound, and the and the focus is really. Um, you know it 's really just making sure you're buyer persona driven and everything so this this client, of course, we go in and we're like, Hey, so what can we do for you um we 'd love to get a raise right that's my goal is to ask for a raise every year um and he laughed at us, and i 'm like i'm like, really, like we're killing it for you, and he 's like i can't handle any more work i can't take any more um so why don't we just keep doing what we 're doing and uh I was kind of upset at that, even though it's awesome. Right. <laughs> right. But um, he turned around. He goes, but I am starting a new business. It's related. Um, let's do the same thing that we're doing there. So that was, you know, the, the cherry on top for us is he's we everything we promised to him we've delivered and he, he believes so much in it. He's just like, here, let's do exactly what we need. Where do we start? And it was really kind of a blank check, like. He knows that it's going to come through. So that confidence is really a win for us. You know, forget the results is just letting the, cus- you know, having the clients trust us to a point where they can literally just say, let's go and not ask a question about money is, is where I want everyone to be. You know, that's, I think it's really good move forward for the industry.
2: Right. That is the ultimate win. Wow. Closing over 50%. I mean, that's yeah. so many agencies, so many, uh, businesses in general would, it would kill for results that were half of that because there's this – I think that, that what a lot of agencies uh, and, and HubSpot customers, any, anybody who's doing inbound has seen is you open up the inbound net and it's kind of a wide net. And you get a lot of leads go up like crazy, uh, yep. but customers don't generally expand at the same rate. So that's an incredible uh, win and definitely speaks to the persona-driven approach that you guys took to be able to grow yeah. traffic and grow the close rate. Yeah, and and you know what's amazing is um is
3: the the CRM, right? We've been doing we've been closing that rate for I would say probably at least six months prior to implementing the CRM, but whenever we get the QuickBooks export from him and we import all the customer lists, it's like it's numbers that we personally did for him, and so it's you know never had the value. But when we go, well, this is from your guys putting in your stuff into the CRM. We're just telling you what the data shows that CRM really is what tied the boat in it um, because it's all of a sudden we have a hundred percent of the picture. Um, so that's a huge focus for us in 2016 is, you know, and I know a lot of larger inbound agencies are all going to the sales enablement, but it's really more this data driven, um, you know, data driven optimization of marketing and taking it all the way to the customer. So that's a big, that's a big change for us. So when we're talking about revenue splits, My goal is to be twenty-five to thirty percent sales, um, you know, sales automation, uh, and making sure that people are signed up this year. In addition to the marketing that we've got, because I think that's a substantial area for growth.
2: Right, I think that's that's definitely on point. And having this success story in the bag, every every quality case study (laughs) you have just makes the next sale easier and easier. So exactly, that's awesome. Well, so let's talk about, um, and I don't know, maybe what would be a Uh, a process that you want to dig into. I've got some ideas. But um, that's one of the things that that we get the most comments on is how are other agencies doing this? So um, are there any processes that stick out to you, Remington, that you'd want to dig into and share with the agency community here? So um, as
3: rudimentary as this sounds, is having a process for creating standard operating procedures. Um, Meta. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And again, this is another big focus. That has nothing to do with revenue for us this year is um, we've had, we've had some pretty significant turnover um, as inbound marketing consultants are becoming more and more valuable to agencies and, and companies alike. Um, and so, so this year, one of the big things is our our road to profitability with an employee was something that I really want to understand and going back to, I'm pretty obsessed with numbers and data. Um, the standard operating procedures is something that we have a wall dedicated to at the office. And it's literally, there's more than three steps to what you do, write it on the wall. Um, we want to we know what, is, what it takes to get something accomplished so that we can, so that we can dig in and optimize it um, as, a, as a team, right? Everybody. Um, and when I say optimize, I don't mean profitable. I don't mean... Um, you know, I don't mean that make it, you know, rip it apart and make it, um, you know, so, that, so it's so finite that it's, that it's broken up and you lose purpose, but really just focusing on everyone, understanding what it takes to post a blog and the steps that we've found success in. And, um, is there an idea that someone else could be doing something better? And so what we're doing is, um, at impulse now we're having weekly meetings, internal meetings with the team and everyone brings an operating procedure in of something that they do in their day to day Um, and we kind of growth hack it. We all hit it and we go, what about this? What about this? What about this? And we all have conversations around. it. So this process has been really huge for us. Um, I'll give you an example of one, Um, our onboarding process, right? When we bring on a new client, we um, in the past, and I found this out, we have treated almost every client as if they're an inbound marketing client. Um, When we have a significant amount of website design clients who we we talk in inbound speak, but it's a different process. And so what we did is we, we itemized the inbound process and then we said, okay, so which ones of these don't apply for a website redesign? Um, and from a time tracking perspective, we just ran through one with the team and, you know, it cut almost 30% of our time out um, and allowed for us to kind of upsell that this would be what we would do if we were an inbound retainer um, vendor. And, uh, and so it's been really great because it lets everyone be, um, everyone have the understanding of what the others are doing in the office. And, um, and at the same time, it allows for us to go to a new hire. This is the, you know, the holy grail for me is be able to go to, go to a new hire. We have the bulleted list of everything that they're supposed to accomplish. And then we say, and here's the handbook on how to actually do it. Um, from here, do what you will. But this is how we know it works. Um, and that's been pretty huge to us in building that out. So I've got a, probably a thousand more standard operating procedures to build, but every single one that we're doing right now has just been like light balls go off for the entire team.
2: That's awesome. So I've got a couple of follow up questions on that. Sure. One is um, outside of the wall of standard operating procedures, sure. w- did those live anywhere else?
3: so we um, so the walls just the ideas um, we use we're pretty uh, pretty big users of uh, Jira yeah. project management and Confluence and so all of we have internal um, our hiring docs and, and everything hang, hang, hangs out in Confluence we call it our impulse wiki and so everything when the procedures are built we usually rip them apart in Google Docs and then we'll drop them into, uh, into Confluence and anyone who has an edit or an update, all they have to do is go in and change it. It doesn't have to be approved by anybody. It's like, hey, I'm doing this, and this worked really well, and they just put their name by it to commit. Um, so, in, you know, creating a space for standard operating procedures and confluence has been
2: huge. Awesome. Uh, the second question, so you, I love that you guys are tackling this on a consistent basis because yep. – Um, it's real easy to get on these like different kicks for different things in an agency. Like we're going to do processes in Q1 and then we forget about it until next year. Yep. Um, is that a team meeting or is that a special processes meeting? I I understand that the team's there, but is that like a normal weekly team meeting that processes are a part of, or is it its own meeting? Nope. It's its own. So I learned long ago that every meeting has to have its own
3: purpose. Um, so it's, um, it saves a lot of time, you know, realistically, it's only about a half hour meeting once a week um, and we, everyone just goes in, they put it up on the screen and they go, this is what I do every day. And, um, and what, the reason we do it that way is, you know, if I come up and I say, here's my sales process for bringing on a new client, um, if anyone doesn't understand the bullet points I made, we refine it right there live. We don't write notes. We, it's literally live in the document. Um, and by doing that, it, uh, it cuts down on the back and forth and, you know, again, no approvals, but everyone understanding that this document is ready to go prime time. Um, the key, it is a team function. So it's an additional team meeting. Um, the, the other thing I did is it's not in a conference room. It's actually in the main room. We, we have a, like a bullpen that everyone works out of. Um, and all that everyone does is stand up, like literally stand up at your desk for this half hour. Um, you can walk around if you want, but, um, you know, I don't, I didn't want it to be a traditional meeting where everyone listens to one person. Right. Um, and so that was really important.
2: I love that idea. Uh, I haven't heard of anybody else who's doing that right now. I'm sure there there probably are other folks who might maybe doing that, but, um, I really like that, the focus and then its own dedicated meeting, I think would be, um, would be super helpful. So that's, that's awesome. I want to go back to something that you mentioned just super briefly. This is kind of a sure. off-the-top-of-the-head question. Sure. Uh, you mentioned turnover at the uh-huh. agency. <laughs> and something that's come up, and we're only going to see this increase, but um, the topic – this has hap- this has come up in Inbound.org and LinkedIn and, and in personal conversations that I've had sure. with other agency owners. But the topic of kind of poaching talent from other agencies, mm-hmm. um, what's – What's your take on that? Have you thought about that at all? So um, the topic of poaching or being poached? Well, I guess I, I guess both ways. So, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, the topic of having – I don't know whether you've ever run into this, but someone from your team being targeted by another agency who's trying oh, to recruit yeah. them or uh, or then you have, I guess, also a sensitive – not not really a poaching scenario, but where someone who's currently working on another inbound team reaches out to you as an owner and says, I'm interested in – in moving sure.
3: on? Sure. Sure. I, you know, I've got to select few of other agencies. That I feel I have a really good personal relationship with. Um, you know, if I think I would, and this is me personally, I would probably reach out to, I would tell that person that, you know, ask them why they're leaving. Um, if they're moving or something, you know, then that's pretty, it's pretty obvious that some, that something needs to change, but They're like, oh, I'm just really not happy. My follow-up, just as another agency owner, would be like, have you talked to your supervisor? Have you talked to someone about it? Because I think that one of the biggest issues we have, especially with dealing with a lot of millennials, is they they have these these feelings. They're very raw. Um, And I'm a millennial, too, for the record. But um, the communication that needs to happen, sometimes I think people are pretty uh, resistant to. And so I always personally, you know, if someone was to hear from one of my employees about moving um, hopefully they would ask why they're leaving. Um, And with that, you know, if it's, if it's an opportunity to, for the, the agency owner to redeem that maybe act as a coach and kind of line it up. If it doesn't then great. But on the, on the flip side being poached, um, you know, the market is getting competitive and the pool. The pool is very thin. Um, And I've talked to various agency owners and they're like Remington good talent. Um, good talent is never going to be looking for a job. You got to take it. And I get that, but at the same time, it's, um, you know, it's wrong. I go and I shake hands with other agency owners and we, we have good time at partner day and a hub spot. And then, um, you know, they're like, Hey, I just took your key employee because, because I had the funds to pay double, even though that's unrealistic, but it, it, it has happened to me personally. So the, you know, I, I don't see that as being a, a very, um, ideal situation but it's kind of the one we're stuck in you know i found out this over the past couple of years that we're really good at training inbound marketers um unfortunately the thing that we had to focus on towards the end of this year was actually keeping them
2: mm-hmm.
3: um and and so we've done a lot of internal stuff like benefits you know the unlimited vacation but it's for real unlimited vacation if you get your work done and and you know full health benefits and and all of that and um, so so far so good but when we pulled our staff, it was a you know it was a, a big thing. They were like, "Oh, we really want health." I was like, "All right," but we we don't even know what that looks like with you know the current political situation. But we did it, and so far, knock on wood, we're sticky. Yeah. Um, but but it's something that it's something that has been really tough. And you know, I've even jumped in on some of those inbound org conversations. But we we had two uh, two key employees, um, for lack of a better word. Um, poached in, within about two months of each other. And for a small team of eight, that can be pretty, that can be a pretty big blow to culture. Um, you know, so that, that was, that was 2015. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm real excited because I also find that regardless of how valuable a staff member was, and I'm speaking general here, but it seems that each time that we get a replacement, that we also see a better iteration of the position, um, each time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, no. so it, you know, while it sucks, at the same time, it allows for you to learn your lessons and implement processes, and uh, hence the standard operating procedures, so everyone knows what they're what they're needed for. Right. but It's a it's a risk in the job, I guess, and that's why we're entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. All the
2: risk absolutely. Well, I mean, that's something I. I think that this is only going to grow as an issue yeah. while well, supply catches up to demand, hopefully catches up at, at demand, uh, to demand here at some point. More higher education uh, institutions start to teach this stuff at, yeah. the, at the collegiate level and, and even before that. And I think at some point um, all this demand will at least be closer to being met. But right now is uh, the industry has just kind of evolved so quickly uh, yeah. that this is part of what goes along with being in the Wild West. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's one of the big things that, um, that we're thinking about
3: focusing on in the future here is actually campaigns. You know, we have hiring campaigns that, and, and, uh, we're focusing a lot more of our marketing in 2016 towards actually acquisition of employees. Uh, but actually going and informing people, for instance, in PR and journalism that, um, what an inbound marketing position actually is or does, um, you know, I think that sometimes we get glazed over from inbound marketing because we're not a PR. And in school, they're they're told to get a PR job out of school because um, that's what they need for their future. And I think that you know it's gonna it's gonna take some work, but easily getting relationships with some of these colleges and having conversations about communications as a whole and how inbound fits in, um, I think is a is a big push for us to be able to get access to more talent.
2: Right. Yeah, I think uh I think you're right on. So um you mentioned an area for improvement here in twenty sixteen being mm-hmm. retention and the team. Yes. Any other areas uh where you're focused on um moving the ball forward here in twenty sixteen? I know that the whole agency sure. is, but but any specifics?
3: Yeah, so I think just overall profitability. Um and, and a lot of that, you know, from our agency is um, we track every minute of our time, and I find sometimes we get some waste and a lot of it, I think is in communication with the clients and reestablishing goals and reestablishing communication and trying to get clients to actually follow up. I think that's a big problem that every inbound agency has. But um, for if we hit if we hit on profitability, I think that and one of the biggest reasons for our lack of profitability this past year um, has been really focused around, the you know the turnover rate of the staff because you can only be so profitable uh, when your staff is learning at the same time they're doing right and and granted my staff my staff is brilliant that I have right now but there's certain ways that we do things and trying to bring them on and teach them at the same time that that they're learning you know the specifics of the client can be kind of um, well not profitable necessarily right. Right. so so now you know now as we talk talk about having the retention hopefully figured out, if I can even say that, then now we can start focusing on, you know, what it means to be a profitable, uh, be a profitable relationship. And then thus show ways for, um, you know, ways for our staff to grow with the agency, both on a revenue and a, or not a revenue, a pay and, and also
2: a benefit related
3: way. So, so that's, that's our focus this year. We've got some pretty aggressive goals, um, with the staff individually and, and what their responsibility to contribute is. And so it'll be interesting to see how it turn, pans out because, again, these are all brand-new processes.
2: Right, right. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah. So switching gears here a little bit, yeah. um, you mentioned JIRA and Confluence and uh-huh. how much you guys are into those earlier. And this is a, some, a topic that everybody wants to know about. But sure. are there uh, any lesser-known tools? Or you could talk about those. Um, but that you guys use consistently and just love that you think maybe other agency owners would benefit from hearing about.
3: Yeah, I think, I think one that, um, is, has been huge for me in the past six months. I, I do a lot of the sales and onboarding personally, um, for, for our clients. And so, um, Uber conference has a paid version, uh, where you can get, you know, a no pin conference line. I think it's like 10 bucks a month. Um, What's amazing about Uber Conference is you can set it up so that anyone from the office can use that conference line. If they call in, you don't have to log in. Um, and, uh, and what's really great is you can set it to automatically record uh, the conference line. It's been, it's been huge for us because I don't know how many times we've been in previous meetings with clients and they say something really smart and then we, we're in the middle of writing notes and then we ask them to re-say it and they forgot. Um, and so it's, you know, even when we don't have an in-house meeting or when we do have an in-house meeting, sometimes we just call in on the conference line to make sure it's recorded. And it's really great. Cause we take that link, we drop it right into the client notes and you know, you can listen to it as many times as you want. So Uber Conference is like that little present that I got last year, uh, which has really saved me a lot of time and energy. And, um, and then of course, you know, the actual Jira software is something that from an agency perspective I don't think many people pay attention to because it's more for software development but um, that I, agile, uh, we adopted agile or modified ad, version of agile project management last year um, and it's working out really well for us so that's uh, you know, it's kind of a little present in regards to a tool.
2: That's awesome yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, we've had a couple folks mention Jira, um, Jeff White up at cooler Partners yep um, they're really into it, but but yeah, so many. I think that just the whole idea of agile, uh, yeah, to a lot of agency owners, it like, uh, sounds that sounds complicated.
3: It, it is complicated. Um, Jeff jumps in much more than we do. Um, it's helped me out because we we went to point space pricing for everything in nice. our agency, and so agile kind of allows us to do that. But we're not using, you know, we're not doing the uh, velocity and and a lot of those really complicated parts of agile it's more just the sprints and time boxing and stuff so it's been it's been really great for us um, you know and from a capacity standpoint you know I don't have a large team so understanding what's possible and what you know what isn't and how, when to promise projects and how to know things got done um, the the burn down charts uh, which is an agile thing but the burn down charts have been absolutely amazing to visually understand whether things are getting
2: done on time Right. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so as we're wrapping up here, Remington, and I really appreciate sure. the time that you've spent with us, I'm gonna ask a question that there's no way you can possibly answer realistically <laughs> right now. Sure. But this is this is more of the personal question about what sure. makes you tick and what goes into your typical morning. So a typical morning right now is probably nothing like it was two months ago. No. But if you could choose <laughs> sure. what what starting off the day strong looks like what does that first hour or two look like sure so um getting up at around five thirty in the morning uh going for going for probably a half hour
3: 45 minute run and uh and coming back coming back and cooling down in the back patio um, while going through and you know knocking out the to-do items that i'm gonna have to knock out for the day i i, I operate my schedule on a day-to-day luckily because i have an assistant that can plan week to week for me but um but just taking a look at what needs to get accomplished and lining everything up in the morning is really great because I get into work at nine. I'm ready to go, um, you know, and it's uh, so that's usually pretty great. Well, nowadays with the baby, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of modified a little bit. I actually just uh, bought some new running clothes to force me to go out and get a run in. I yep. haven't run since the baby came, but um, that'll be you know that's something. But it's it's really I think waking up early, making sure you focus on you and. Um, and taking a second to really kind of plan out the day. I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we get so busy. We're kind of chasing, you know, chasing our tails, and we go in at 9, and like we have a meeting at 9.10, or maybe we go in at 9, and we have a meeting at 9, and you know, not knowing where we're at um, is pretty tough. But one of the big, uh, big ahas for me was I, I listened to Anise Kavanaugh speak at Inbound last year, and then I got a chance to listen to her um, speak again and Anise talks about, um, you know, about, you know, about being present and making things happen. Um, and it was it was something I realized that I I personally didn't do very effectively. Um,
2: and so taking that
3: taking that time was really huge. And the morning's
2: where it happens, man. That's the only time I'd be able to even make it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. So are you naturally a morning person?
3: Um, so I I think I'm just a, a work person. <laughs> <laughs> But um not usually that early. Like usually up at the crack at seven o'clock every morning, ready to go. But pushing it a couple a little bit earlier, that was the only way I'd get any uh that's the only way I'd be able to squeeze in the run and, you know, make sure everything gets accomplished. Right. At the same time.
2: I like it. I'm definitely a morning yeah. person and I love those the five to seven, five to seven thirty time yeah. slot is there's nobody bugging you at least East Coast uh-huh. like we are. There's nobody bugging you at that point in time. Yep, it's just easy to get stuff done.: Yeah,
3: that is the really power hour, if you will. Yep, is uh, after that run, you know cooling down it's, it's been huge for me. so can't wait to get back to it.
2: Yep <laughs> Awesome. Well, really appreciate you making time to jump on with us, Remington. If people want to uh, follow up, connect, follow you, ask any questions, what's the best place for them to catch you online?
3: Uh, best place is hit me up on Twitter, at Remington E-G-G. B-E-G-G. B-E-G-G. Um, if you uh, hit me up there, we can continue the conversation wherever
1: it
2: needs to go. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time, and hope that sleep picks up here soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Greg.
1: This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show.
0: Welcome back, folks. Gray just got off with Remington. I had a chance to listen Loved the conversation here. And I want kind of the theme of this recap to revolve around, um, you know, how do we attract talent in this inbound agency community? How do we retain that talent in this community? Um, You know, as things continue to mature, having the right folks on your team is a bottom line no-brainer because we're in the business of supplementing teams, of having folks who understand inbound well, understand the process of how to get from where we are today to where we want to be. That's the value that we bring to clients as inbound agencies. So we need a rock solid team to help get us there. But as this community continues to mature, inevitably, you know the, the talent out there is going to become more and more valuable. So how do we build a culture in a community that can retain employees and treat them well, not overwhelm them, um, but give them a place, a solid place to work and also a solid career path to move them forward? Um, As you're trying to grow your agency, these are all things to consider when you think about the culture, the vision, the values that you hold as an agency. We've had a lot of owners coming on. Talking about building their building out their vision their core values, their mission statement, and how to recruit talent based on that, but then how does that impact retention here um, and looking forward what is it what is it going to mean for this community as agencies start getting more and more competitive and sniping talent from each other so gray with with that intro in mind there what were your Thoughts on your chat with Remington, another young parent here uh, on the podcast. So that was pretty cool. You guys could connect around that. Um, But what were your takeaways from your convo here?
2: Yeah, well, just kind of going along on that theme, um, I thought that Remington kind of highlighted, had a good attitude and highlighted that the downside of his experience over the last six months um, or a little bit more than that with losing a couple key employees was they lost some key employees, but the upside um, is that it led to this much more intense focus on employee retention, and ultimately, I think those are the. I think that on a micro level, and it's not micro in Remington's world. Obviously, it's a it's a big deal in the in the life of Impulse Creative, um, but in the grand scheme of things, in the agency community, on a micro level, it's going to lead to. Uh, it you know a better place to work um, and it's going to lead to an already tight culture and community becoming uh, tighter and closer on a on a macro level I think that we're gonna see um, hopefully some of the same things happening whereas as uh, there is this continuously growing demand for inbound marketing talent and for marketing talent um, in general we're gonna see more competition, more of these issues coming up. And this is something um even after we, we uh ended the recording, talked with Rennington for a little bit more about like poaching and just how what it what does it look like to deal with that and address that and how do we recruit as agency owners. And I think that we're gonna see people who do it well and like with everything else, we're gonna see a lot of people who do it uh poorly, unethically, uh very not transparently um, and and through that struggle and the <laughs> the growth challenges of the industry, I think we're also going to see a maturation of what agency culture looks like and more of a focus on what we spent season four of the this podcast. Um, really dwelling on and digging into is how do you recruit, how do you build a strong culture, and how do you retain employees and create a career trajectory for them. And so I think we're going to see, and we're seeing it from more and more agency owners, we're going to see more of a focus put on that, which in the long run is going to lead to the good of the agency and also um, especially the good of the the team members at that agency. And there's going to be more clarity and competition, uh, which is going to obviously drive – the the reward, the compensation, the benefits, the culture, that kind of stuff up. And so I think if you're a young owner right now, you might be hearing that and be a little bit disheartened to think, well, that directly drives my costs up. Uh, <laughs> so the flip side is that we're also going to see more of uh, the model of what we've built here where there's a remote team and, and scaling a contractor team. And so we're going to see uh, – we're really going to see it go in both different directions. But I think that there's um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned and it will be really interesting to see how quickly and how drastically it evolves and whether any of the things that I just predicted are actually correct or not.
0: Yeah. I think that – and there's some phenomenal examples out there, which is really, really cool. Um, when you think in person, you can go – Look at um, you know a lot of agencies that have invested a lot of time building out their their culture and attracting the right types of folks so that they're a good fit from the beginning and they're going to stick around. You know I think of Impact, I think of um, New Breed, uh, folks who've spent a lot of time thinking about onboarding, a lot of time thinking about culture. Um, I think about the interviews we had with uh, Marissa Smith um, and just talking about building out a, a strong. Operating system for your agency having knowing your processes and putting everyone in the right seats Greg Lindemanston's talking about attracting those um, You know attracting the Swiss Army knife employee and building their modern family culture over there Um, Then Lance Cummings building a remote team of folks that fit what they're trying to do there Ryan Malone who's building a strong uh, Remote team but treating everyone like full-time employees like there are some great examples out there of folks who are doing this well. Um, So I think that we might be disheartened a little bit to think about, like, as this community continues to grow, talent is going to become more and more in demand. Um, But I think also there's going to be more and more folks who understand inbound. Like, great, when we got started, we started looking for folks. Everything was education. You know, no one came into this knowing what inbound was. But now now there is a – there is a market that is flush with folks who have experience with inbound agencies doing inbound marketing. And that's also a great thing for your clients there as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot to to consider, but I think it all goes back to defining what type of agency you want to build. Defining that first before you do anything else, know who you are and then use that to construct your culture. Use that to construct your vision and then try to attract folks that are in line with that vision. I want to build the same type of thing that you do because if you can, if you can get alignment around those things, then salary and compensation and all those other things kind of go out the window because if, if there's meaning and purpose tied to the job, then you're going to, you're going to build a much deeper connection with your team than you otherwise would. Um, you're always going to face the, the threat of folks leaving and going to other companies. And as the market continues to mature, you're going to see that more and more. But I think if we can invest time figuring out where we're trying to go and getting people who want to be on that train with us, we're gonna be in a much better position there moving forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh Demer, let's wrap up right here. Um, guys, I guess thanks for listening again. One of the things that Remington um also mentioned, one of the quotes from him that uh that stuck out to both of both myself and uh and dimmer listening back through this was just talking about how From the client's experience, if you're hiring Impulse and and working with uh, Impulse Creative, you're going to hear a lot of whys. So your requests for certain services or uh, certain things to be done are met with a lot of why do we want to do this and figuring out the reason behind what we're trying to do and then how to make – how to, at the end of the day, provide the best service and best results for the client taking responsibility as an agency. And we're going to dive into that theme uh, even more next week when Andrew inter- interviews uh, Tiffany Souter from Element 3. So, really excited to bring you guys that interview. And uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, I uh, would love it if you would just shoot Remington on Twitter and his. His, uh, his Twitter handle and, and information will be in the show notes at doinbound.com slash podcast. Shoot him a tweet. Shoot him an email. Uh, give him a call if you know him personally. Just say thanks for coming on and sharing your, uh, your agency journey. And in order to get the first the first peek at, uh, at next week's episode with Tiffany, head over to iTunes and subscribe to Inbound Agency Journey over there. You'll be the first person in the know, and then the podcast will go live and show notes will go up on the website as well. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in today, and we will talk with you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.